Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Today is Meet My Friend Friday. It is Friday, October 5th. I have a special guest on the podcast with me today. He's never been on my podcast, but I was so encouraged when I heard about what he was doing because it is so badly needed in the culture today. Uh, Rick Evans is going to join me on the podcast today, and I hope that you guys will tune in and get your husbands and your sons to listen in with you. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so it's Friday the 5th of October, which means that my women's conference is going to be held tomorrow in Vancouver, Washington. We are still taking tickets. If you are interested in coming to that event, I will link back to it in the show notes today. And as always, if you have questions, particularly after this particular podcast with Rick Evans, please feel free to reach out to me, podcast at thebusymom.com. Some of those questions we can forward to Rick and other ones we can answer at Mailbox Monday. So we hope that you guys are encouraged. As always, if you are blessed by what you're hearing, uh, the best way that you can encourage us is to leave a review and a rating over at iTunes and to share this podcast. We're coming up on 50,000 listeners. It's exciting for us to see it grow. But more than that, we're excited to see you growing in your relationship with the Lord. All right, without further ado, I want to introduce my guest to you. I'm excited to have him here. I love his passion for people and it's you're going to be so blessed. Rick Evans is an internationally known speaker and has spent the last 3 decades pastoring churches. So the guy knows about people. And he's been equipping believers to move in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. He's been married to his wife, Lisa, for 43 years, has three grown daughters and three awesome grandchildren. Uh, Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heidi. It's great to be here. I am so glad that you're here. And when we first heard about you, I I looked you up on the internet. You know, I always look people up. I kind of stalk you for a little while. (laughs) See, like, how legit is what this guy is doing? And you are really having an impact in the culture. Uh, What what is uh, the passion of your heart right now? Because you've got a brand new book out, which is awesome, uh, called Healing an Orphan Heart. We're going to talk about that today on the show. But I would love to introduce you since it's your first time on the podcast. I love for listeners to get a real feel for you and for your heart and for the ministry that God's called you to. Sure. Uh, You know, I've been, uh, as you said, I've been pastoring for 35 years and uh, fell in love with Jesus really in 1978. And God put a call on my heart way back then. And I went through uh, the typical schooling, got a master's at, of theology at Fuller Seminary. I've been married to the wife of my youth for all of these years. And we just really went on a journey. And Jesus just started to speak to us and lead us mm-hmm. in this new way, this very cool way. And we were all in. And so we just began to grow. And, uh, and I had an opportunity to be a part of two really large powerfully effective uh, churches, uh, Calvary Chapel and Vineyard, both of those movements. And I learned Mm. so much during those years. And eventually, uh, Lisa and I planted a vineyard church in Cleveland, Ohio. And for the last 20 years, we have, uh, it's just been a labor of love. We have cared for a wonderful church. And in the midst of that, God put missions on our heart to uh, to equip under-resourced churches around the world. And so as we were pastoring these years, uh, we would take one or two international mission trips, certainly mission trips all over the country, and teach about issues of inner healing, life in the spirit, 
spiritual warfare, dealing with the demonic, some really big ticket items. And it was just met with so much favor. I knew God was in that. And I eventually came into national leadership and area leadership for the vineyard and uh, doing all of that. But, you know, underneath it all, I just I just feel like a guy who's in love with Jesus. Uh, that's mm. that's really who I am. Every day I get up, it's it's about Jesus, us just doing whatever He's going to do together today. And um, the the difficult that all sounds so good, and it was, and it's been a wonderful thirty five years. But the flip side, Heidi, was at the same time all these good things were happening. I knew I had a brokenness in my heart that I couldn't shake. I had a fear that would not leave me, and I carried it for 46 years and could not get rid of it. While I grew in all these other ways that you would expect a pastor to grow, I grew in maturity, I grew in understanding, I grew in how to teach. I've taught more than 30,000 hours. I, he's just been so good to me, and I've seen the power of God around the world. I'd love to tell you stories about that someday, but... But I, underneath all of that, I knew that this fear was dragging on me. It wasn't paralyzing, but it was real. And I couldn't shake it. And where what we'll talk about in a few moments, wherever you have orphan-hearted issues, those issues sabotage every important relationship that you have. Relationships with God, relationship with your husband, relationship with your sons and daughters, uh, it hurts every relationship, and it even really sabotages our relationship with ourself. And I had had fear, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I just thought I would have this low-level fear all of my life until 12 years ago when everything changed on a dime. Now, when you say, uh, before we get to the change, because I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you, when you, when you talk about fear— for, for those people who are listening, they're like, man, I don't know if that's me or not. What would you, how would you describe that fear? Is it like fear of being in relationship? Is it fear of failure? Is it a spirit of fear? When you're talking about fear, what do you mean exactly? Probably uh, the arena would be a spirit of fear. Uh, now, I'm a risk taker. I'm an entrepreneur. I planted a couple of churches. I go places where a lot of people would think twice. We were just in Mozambique and people were shooting at us and near oh, us. Oh, my goodness. All of that. <laughs> you don't sound like a fearful guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all over all that kind of stuff. But what I couldn't shake, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you and your listeners why I couldn't figure it out. I had no language why this fear was with me, but it was just a constant fear. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd feel it. Go through my day, mm-hmm. feel it. Now it wasn't paralyzed. Mm-hmm. One front end like, like an anxiety almost. Yeah, it just would not leave me. When I'm happy, it was there. When I was sad, mm-hmm. I'm there. Had conflict with people, it was there. Great victories in the Lord, there. It was just always with me. And that is an orphan heart. That is a room that I'll talk about. That's a room in us where pain and, and trauma dwell. And I chose fear without a conscious decision to try to self-father the pain that I felt. Self-fathering is very key in the orphan heart message. When we are hurt and we don't know what to do with it inside, we're very tempting. It's very tempting to take over and become our own father. And what God is calling us to do 
is to help recognize these orphan issues where we want to take over and say, God, I love you. I serve you. But in this area, thanks, but no thanks. I'll do mm. what I need to do. And that's why we find so many people who are angry. And you know, do you ever scream at your kids and you show a pattern of that? Why? Well, that's a self-fathering behavior that if I can be angry enough, I can settle and I can settle things. I can get my way. I can bring order to chaos. People who are controlling, they control not because they're simply really hyper-responsible. They're trying to order and uh, order and create predictable outcomes so they become controlling of people and situations. That's an orphan-hearted self-fathering. And I've identified about 200 uh, orphan-hearted behaviors that self-father. And they sabotage every important relationship. So you just begin to look at your relationships. Why Why do you or why does your spouse or why does your growing child do these things that are so hurtful and then it doesn't make any sense? Well, I help in this book and in the workbook uh, to help this become very clear why we do some of these things. There's pain and there's trauma behind it. And Jesus wants to get under the stuff so that he can love us in those rooms where orphans dwell. And when he goes there, he brings his resurrection power. And that's what he did for me 12 years ago. And I was never the same. It changed on a dime. Now, I'll need to explain that a little bit because I don't believe in quick fixes. Yeah. I don't believe in quick fixes, but I believe that God can break powers that hold us. And then we have the... Now, did you come from... Did- is your background what? So I'm I'm so curious because I came from an abusive environment. I've written about it in uh, several of the books that I've written, and my struggle to get free from fear. So your message so resonates with me, and I'm curious as you talk about this, and I'm like, oh man, he's right. Ding ding ding. I'm hearing uh, so many of these things, and my spirit is just like, yes, this is right. And I I'm curious to know your background because uh, did you did you grow up in an abusive home? Did you have a great home? I mean, where did where do you think you picked up the spirit? Yeah. I picked it up when I was about five and a half, six years old. I know exactly Mm -hmm. when, because when Jesus came into this room when I was an adult 12 years ago, he showed me exactly where the orphan heart was born. So I know all kinds of specifics about it. So, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about that. Um, So it's a great segue into into the, the message of the orphan heart is yeah. I wrote the book, uh, years before I wrote the book. So I'm struggling with fear. I never, I've never told anyone that. I, my wife didn't know. She could feel the effects of it, but, but we never talked about it. It was like this intangible thing that we, she and, and my daughters would feel, that I would feel, and yet we couldn't figure it out. And you get tired of trying, so you just kind of make your way. Well, what happened was when I invited Jesus into that room, he had been knocking on that door, by the way, a lot of times. And for you and your listeners, it might be that Jesus has been knocking on certain orphan doors for a while, that either we don't recognize it, or it's too painful, or it's too Mm -hmm. threatening, that when he knocks on that door and he wants to open the door and come in to the places where we've been profoundly hurt, we're just not sure it's worth it. And then the lie of the enemy says, if you open that door, you'll never be the same. 
You'll lose your mind. Mm. It won't work. So true. God doesn't love you. He doesn't have what you need. He says all of that. But on this occasion, I said, it was during a time of worship. And he said, would you let me in? And for whatever reason, I had the faith and the grace and just this trusting place. And I said, Jesus, take a look. And it was like a NASA rocket. It's different for everyone. Mm. But for me, it was like a NASA rocket, not going up into the stratosphere, but going down into the depths of my spirit. And he went right mm. into that room. I saw the door blow off. It had rusty hinges. No one had access to that room. He shone his light of his Shekinah glory, and I could see the filth in the room. I could see the decay. I could see the broken pictures. I could smell the smells. I could see, um, I could see what this room had become. And what Jesus did, he did a few things, but one of the things he did was he cleaned out all of this furniture, all this stuff that was around my trauma. He cleaned it out of the room. He actually cleaned the walls and the floor so it became a clean, safe place. And then he mm-hmm. took me right to where my orphan heart was born. And it was born in the backseat of a 1950s Buick. You see, it was a really bad year for the Evans family. My father, um, he was probably maybe not quite 40. He had become a um, significant alcoholic. He would eventually uh, drink himself to death at 45. Uh, he walked mm-hmm. away from the four little, uh, our kids, uh, all the siblings and my mom, he chose alcohol over the love of his family. And I took that really personally, even though I was five, I realized he was leaving me that fathers leave their sons and it broke my heart. And so that's when rejection was starting to percolate. So now I'm in the backseat of this Buick because a family friend I knew that my mom, suffering this divorce, she wasn't really healthy anyway. She was put into a mental facility, kind of a, a nervous breakdown. And so us four kids, we were on our own. And we were being driven wow. somewhere. And you could imagine the chaos and the fear. And this woman driving, we called her grandma. She wasn't our grandma. She was a childhood friend, a family friend. She was a very severe woman. And so she's driving us to a place of safety. I'm five. My brother's 10, sister's 11, older sister's 12. We're just little, we're just babes in the back of the seat and figuring out what to do. And I did what any five-year-old would do. I just started crying because I didn't want toys. I didn't want money. I didn't want Disneyland. I wanted the arms of my mother. And if I could be in the embrace of my mom, I could get through this and I couldn't find her. And so I began to shout outside out of the car, you know, mom, mom, where are you? I just like if she could hear my cry, she would come and rescue me. And she never came. And as I cried and uh, tears were shooting out of my eyes and my pitch, I'm sure, was getting escalated in my in my screeches and screams. That's when it happened. This woman we called Grandma turned around while she was driving, looked me squarely in the eye with the most hate, hateful, mean, cold look and said, Rick, if you don't stop crying right now, you'll never see your mom again. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I did what she said. I yeah. grew yeah. quiet and I dried my eyes and I said, I get it. I can't trust fathers. I can't trust mothers. I'm on my own. I get it. And right when I said, I get it, Jesus showed me all these years later, that's when fear fell on my shoulders. And I knew at five years old, I didn't have what it would take to take on this big old world. And so fear was born in my heart. And I carried that fear uh, for 46 years. I couldn't shake it. Didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to heal it. Now, keep in mind, I'm growing significantly in every area. I'm pastoring hundreds of people in our (laughs) church. We have 100 leaders, international missions. I'm on leadership boards, doing all the good things that you would expect for a man or a woman growing in, in discipleship. But in this area, with fear and rejection, I couldn't. It was one step forward and one step back. And I was always, and and what I talk about in the book is that some of these orphan behaviors start to work together. I call them synergy packages. And so fear and rejection would start working in my heart. And I would relate and respond to people in a way that they couldn't figure out what in the world are you doing? Are you crazy? And for a while, I kind of wondered, you know, this is so powerful of a reaction. Well, I I have come to find out that these synergy packages like fear and rejection, when you're afraid, you're going to be rejected by someone you love, like a father, like a mother. When when that taps that fear and rejection, you um, you can be pretty toxic in your set of relationships. And Heidi, one of the things that I talk about in the book is that I have identified about 200 of these behaviors, self-fathering behaviors like anger or addiction or uh, control. There's so many of them that when we use these, we're saying, God, keep your hand back. I'm going to father my pain. And we're hurting people around us. Um, I think uh, I think of how I hurt my kids when things were not happening the way I wanted them to happen, and I would feel like their love was sort of moving on outside, out, you know, kind of transitioning out the door. Uh, that fear and rejection would kick in, and I would become very controlling in their life. I would hurt them. I'd want them right where I could get them because nobody else in my life's ever going to walk out on me again. And then it all starts to make sense that that we're reacting to the pain we feel and and where people around us go you're hurting us so badly well the last thing i'd ever want to do is hurt the ones i love that's the insidious nature of the orphan heart but the really cool thing the promise that i'm writing about eight volumes on i'm in the process of writing the second volume right now jesus said in john 14:18 you do not have Excuse me, he said, you you do not have to live like orphans. I will come to you. And he really meant it. And what I am finding and what I'm writing about is how to invite Jesus into those rooms where, where the orphans dwell, right into where fear dwells, right into where rejection dwells, right there where I want to control everybody and everything 
We can welcome him into those rooms. He promised we don't have to live the orphan life. And what he did 12 years ago is he came in, he cleaned out that room called fear, and he brought a power. And I, I don't want to be unclear in this because I'm not a quick fix guy. I'm not. I think we grow strong step by step by discipleship step. But God gives us the power and the favor to get it done. What Jesus did was he broke the power of this fear that nagged me every day for almost half a century. It felt different in the moment. And what he was doing was he was giving me freedom and maneuverability to be able to disciple and stay close to him and that he would lead me out of the things of fear. So he broke the power. I wasn't instantly healed because the enemy tries to push back too, but he gave right. me what I needed. Right. That he, if I could reduce all that we're talking about down to three words, it would be Father, Father me. And I just started mm -hmm. to pray that prayer. As he broke that, I could tell I was different. Fear was just that, that sensation was gone. And it was wonderful. It was, it was like, I didn't think this was possible. And then the fear would come back and I would say, Father, Father me right now. Uh, this bill came due and I'm feeling uh, concerned about it. I don't want to be a person of fear anymore. Would you father me in this area of finance? And he would. Would you father me in my relationships? Would you father me right now? I'm in a conflict with someone. Would you father me in my relationship with my husband or wife? I'm feeling really vulnerable. Father me to have your heart in this and not to be afraid any longer. And I just started to do that over the weeks and months and probably six months into this new freedom. Uh, fear just was not uh, a part of me like it always had been growing up. It was, it was amazing. So that's the message that I'm taking around the country and around the world. And uh, what's interesting is this message resonates everywhere uh, I go. We're all in the same boat uh, in these things. I think it's a powerful message because what you're saying is going to resonate. I think it's a sickness that we're seeing in the culture right now. And we see it everywhere, right? We see it in politics. We're seeing it in our churches, this orphan heart. And it encourages me so much to hear a man like you stand up and say, this is, this is a serious issue. We need to look at it. And Jesus is a healer. I think we've forgotten whose we are and we belong to the Lord of Heaven's armies. And he is the healer. And I love, love your heart. I am actually really excited to get my hands uh, on this book and this workbook. Is this something that people can do in groups or do you say you need to do it? Uh, is it meant for individuals or could you do it as a Bible study? What what kind of scenarios could you see this book being used at and the workbook? Sure. That's a great uh, question, Heidi. A couple of different ways that we could go. Um, one is uh, you can do it individually and that certainly lots of people do this. Um, yeah, as I said, this message is resonating around the world. People are are getting it and they're reading it. Lives are being changed. And so some people do it uh, individually, like they'll, they'll read the book. On one level, it's a quick read. It's about 300 pages. Uh, you just kind of, I encourage people to read it on the fast side just to get the heartbeat of it and then come back and start reading the book slowly, chapter by chapter, and then use the corresponding workbook 
Uh, so chapter one of the book reflects chapter one of the workbook. And the workbook is a deep dive into the things that you're discovering in the book. And what will happen is just like an onion just gets peeled back, peeled back, peeled back, the workbook will help a person get to the depths of where they have been hurt and the decisions they've made to self-father. And it's a really a great, um, it's a great book and workbook for husbands who don't, you know, we're taught as men, you don't tip your hand very much. You never mm-hmm. cry. You don't talk about these things to other people. It might be something where a listener's husband might say, you know what, I know something's wrong and I don't know what to do about it. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I'd, I'd get him the book and the workbook, and in the privacy of his own life, he could read and then start to work the workbook. I have lots of men who are working these things. I'm also going to be writing a marriage manual so that young couples who are considering marriage will be able to look at their orphan issues and where their hurts and where the traumas happen, and they can work out some of these things even before they get married. So there's all kinds of applications. And the other part of your question is, can groups do it? And a few uh, vineyard churches have been doing this, and some go uh, 12 weeks, some have gone as long as a year, and they work the workbook, and they meet every other week. They do their work, and then they get together, and then they share what God is showing, and then people pray for one another. And that has been absolutely powerful. So I'm getting very, very good feedback on uh, on both of those. The only thing I would say is it takes courage. Uh, you can easily look at some of the questions that God encouraged me to ask, and you can just feel threatened and close the book. That, you know, that's the truth. But if we can have courage, and a soft heart, and we're tired of this stuff, then he will give you everything you need to really identify, I call it the orphan ecosystem. There is an overlay on our hearts that are broken things. And when we are, when our pain is tapped or touched, trauma is drudged up, we can go to these, um, well, they're false Holy Spirit points. We can go to these self-fathering, broken behaviors to try to protect us from the pain that we don't want to feel anymore. And those need to be identified and interrupted and then healed. And Jesus can do it. He's doing it in a lot of people's lives, and he's certainly done it in mine. And I've seen the wonderful um, reconciliation and redemption in my own family. My daughter's uh, all of them, I had to go to them in repentance, understanding how much I hurt them in some ways. And they've forgiven me. And we walk in a new kind of relationship in these last many years. And it was worth all the work of seeing orphans be taken out of the equation. Mm. Well, this is, this is your story is a powerful story, and it resonates with me. And I know it's going to resonate with uh, with my audience. And speaking of my audience, you have provided us a special gift. So if you're listening to this, uh, you can get 40% off when you buy the book and the workbook together. You want to use the coupon code BUSYMOMFALL. 
Like that's fall like in autumn, not fall down the stairs, but it's spelled the same way. <laughs> so the coupon code is busy mom fall. That's when you order the workbook and the book together. You'll get 40% off, which is fantastic. Also, we have a coupon code for those of you who are interested in a 25% off of an e-download for the book. And uh, I think you should give it a try and see if it doesn't change the way that uh, you see yourself and the way you see the world around you. I am so impressed, uh, Rick, with what you're doing. And I know that it's desperately needed in the culture right now. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and talking about this very important topic. For those of you who want information, more information about the book, I will link back to it. It's called Healing an Orphan Heart. And that comes with a book and a workbook. And for those of you who are listening to this, and I know there are a lot of you who are struggling with this and you can feel it in your spirit, you know, right in your gut, this is me. And you feel the spirit talking to you. I just want to encourage you to reach out and uh, get a hold of this book. I think it's going to change your life. Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're so welcome. God bless you. Thanks for those of you who want more information about Rick Evans and his ministry to families. I'll link back to his website and you can contact him there. Again, the book is called Healing an Orphan Heart and it's available at his website right now. And if you use the coupon code BUSYMOMFALL, you can get 40% off the workbook and the book when you purchase them together. So check it out, everybody. I know you're going to be encouraged. Uh, this has been a joy for me. Many of you have heard me talk about this particular subject many times on the podcast. And so... I'm always very encouraged when I see God's people coming alongside and revealing the father heart of God, which is really what Rick is doing. So uh, this has been a great podcast for me to listen to. I hope you guys have been encouraged and I will see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.